This is the GPL Podcast, part of the Pull Tab Sports family. Oh boy. You making mistakes, I love it. And so, I had to train for this marathon. <laughs> Make sure you stay awake for the game tomorrow, too. <laughs> Triple, uh, hey, stomp the same ball. Let's go. Stomp. There we go. So, so how was the flights in and out of uh, Penn State last weekend? Pretty good, actually. I was home by, like, dude. <laughs> I, I was home by, like, that. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 255, and one of the first time, Viggs, I've been this remote for a podcast. Yeah, we've done it with me and a Civic, we've done it with me and DC, we did one together in Tampa. That was good. And now now we've got an international show. Yes, I am currently in the Dominican Republic, so you all can suck it. It's hot and humid here. It's going to warm up here eventually, but it, it it's is good next for the week, outdoor rinks. Next week when I come back, it's going to be in the 30s. I'm just perfectly fine with that. So I'm definitely rubbing it in because this is the first time I've ever had a vacation to actually line up with bad weather in Minnesota. So I'm all for it. Uh, but first, we need to bring in a guest. And, you know, we thought since it was going to be a little sketchy with my, you know, connection here. It's probably not the greatest video, but hopefully you all can hear me pretty well. We thought we'd have, we didn't want to have Vigo be solo in case we had issues. So we scheduled Cappy. And of course we scheduled Cappy because it's, it's Ohio State week. Let's bring him in. Cappy, how's it going, man? I mean, apparently it's not as going as good as for you. But, oh, come uh, on. You know, how many times have you podcasted from Florida? Not enough. I mean, <laughs> it never gets, that never gets old. Um, no, I'm happy for you. Um, I'm surprised your tan is, is, is not good right now. You're maybe hiding in the shade or what? I, I hide the shade and use a lot of sunblock because otherwise I would be a lobster. I'm, I'm I'm like the whitest. You can see the light tint. Oh yeah. I'm a lot. I just, (laughs) I wear a shirt, you know, one of those swim shirts because otherwise I'll, I would just be so hot if I got burned. So I just avoid it. So. (laughs) He doesn't have that Italian blood like you do, Cappy, where you just oh, instantly go, go bronze. You know, I'm so more red. Italian, so I start. I get red first, and then it's it, it molds itself into a, a brown. So the Italian comes in at the end. Maybe tomorrow, yeah. our last full day, I'll get out and get a good, you know, good color, good, you know, good. Just do it. Burn going. Might, you only live well. once. You only live once, man. I mean, my arms are. Do it. No, it doesn't even show up on the camera. <laughs> uh, I give up. Yeah, there's no uh, watch. Uh, you know, well, there kind of is, but barely. Yeah, it's hard to pick it up on this video. Yeah, it's not a good video. So, okay. well, what do you do? <laughs> but Viggs, actually, let's talk some hockey here. Uh, Robert Morris came in this past weekend. Minnesota swept him. I would say the fans were just were probably disappointed. The scores were so low. I think but, everyone is expecting double Culvers from the weekend. And they got and nothing. No Culvers. No Culvers. It very easily could have been based on the amount of shots Minnesota put up over the weekend 
Robert Morris got great goaltending from each of their goaltenders against Minnesota. You know, the Gophers put up nearly 30 shots in the first period on Friday. Mm -hmm. There were moments of the weekend where it looked like Robert Morris might be dangerous on the counterattack, but the Gopher goaltending played pretty well. I thought the Gophers did well to, to limit the chances against. As I told Bob after Saturday, I was like, how do you feel about a weekend where your D didn't touch the stove? You, know, you didn't see them diving down below the goal line too often. And so they played a pretty smart weekend and, and got what they needed out of it, which was two wins. So it really helped them survive a pairwise scare against Robert yes, Morris. Definitely. But tell me about Aerie. What did uh, Coach Matsko say about uh, Aerie's performance Friday night after his first regular season start? I mean, they brought him to the Minnesota to play games. And if he hadn't had his injury the entire first half, you know, he obviously would have been playing part of the rotation with close. Okay. I, I don't think they were going to do a straight rotation, but they brought him in to play games. You know, he had played 2000 minute seasons in the junior ranks two years in a row, a lot of experience. He's a big goaltender and he looks very technically sound. He moves well. He's not out of position. He's got good rebound control. You know, the goals he gave up, you know, one of them was a, a weird tip that not many goalies are going to be able to react to. And the other was a power play shot where he was screened late in the game. So maybe a little bit of conditioning came into that as well. But I think Minnesota showed that they've got two goalies now, that if, okay. if something happens, they've got someone they can rely on. And on the Ohio State side, uh, who did they play this weekend, Cappy? You don't, you don't know? You're that detached. I'm pretty sure. Was it Notre Dame? They split with Notre Dame. Notre Dame. They, they finally got their first conference win. They did. Um, which actually put them over 500 for their record um, for, for a night. Um, so for a night, <laughs> for a night. And that, I mean, that literally they're what their last place in the league, but they're, they're, they're nine and nine and four. So they didn't lose a non-conference play all year. Didn't have yep. an overly tough schedule, but they went to Omaha and on the road and won in sweat and won in yeah. tied there. That's their best, you know, non-conference wins. But they're 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 I think they're finally at full strength. I still think they're probably right, you know, in the bottom three, two three teams in the league. But um, you know, they they showed they can win. You know, they beat Notre Dame, so I think that's kind of off their back or not thinking about that. Um, you know, they got Joe Dunlap back, who was a fourteen goal scorer last year. He missed the whole first half. I mean, they need every piece of offense they can get because they just don't have the depth. So um, they'll be, they'll be, a, I think, a little tougher. I mean, they played Minnesota really well, obviously, you know, yes. a month plus ago. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's it's a much different story when you go into Mariucci. And I think Minnesota, in, in my mind, I said this, uh, said this a couple times now, I, in my mind for them in the pairwise, the, the Big Ten standings, I don't know. I, to me, it's all about NC, like you know, the NCAA tournament. Yes. Though for many teams, um, this is a must sweep for Minnesota. If you're looking at wanting to get a little comfortable, because if you don't, if you split, you're going to go down a little because it's a home yeah. split against a team not too low, but I mean they're in the 20s. So this is a must sweep, or at least a win and a tie situation for Minnesota. Yeah. One thing you made sure to do this weekend over Friday and Saturday is chirp <laughs> both Beagle and I about the women's team at Ohio State just I, well, I was leveling the women's team at Minnesota. I, 
I couldn't believe it when I saw the scores. I mean, I know that they have a really good team, but to go into Ritter and do that, 13 to mm-hmm. 1, has Minnesota, has Minnesota ever had that happen to them ever? I I doubt I mean, it. I doubt it. Maybe Wisconsin, maybe it would be the But only not team. that many goals though. No. A plus <laughs> 12? Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, I had to try. I, come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You just don't see that. I mean, I was as surprised as anyone, but that's that's pretty good stuff. And, and after his final tweet on Saturday, I basically replied to him, "Not sober, don't care." <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, 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 that was a great response. That's what I would say. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Jupe's gonna have to go tarps off here in a minute. He keeps getting into. I am just sweating beads out here. It's you know like what? eighty, nobody, and the dew point is seventy-six. I am just sweating like a maniac here. The fat guys sweat. That's just how it is. So, Minnesota didn't hurt themselves, Viggs, in the pairwise, which is good. Why didn't Wisconsin, did they lose a game this weekend? They tied. Tied, which feels like a loss. Did they lose the overtime? No. Or shootout or anything like that. It was just a tie. They won the shootout, but it literally means nothing. Yeah, in it does. Conference so, game, so it didn't hurt them that. I think they might have dropped a five or something like that. But uh, that's that's a close one for the Badgers with how they've been playing. Yeah, a loss probably would have been a bigger impact. But they've done enough work so far in the season that they've got enough of a cushion to to help themselves. They're in a much different situation than Minnesota, where Minnesota needed to come through with regulation wins yes. against their opponents. So, you know, the Badgers still are going to be tough in the second yes. half. You know, the big test for them is now the expectations are going to be placed on Hastings and the Badgers to come through in the second half. You know, the first half, they were pretty much a surprise. You know, go from seventh in the Big Ten to first is quite the turnaround. And, and we'll see what happens and, and how they handle it in the second half. So you were telling me something interesting before uh, we started here that uh, a certain Robert Morris coach was kind of looking for you this past weekend, wasn't he? Yeah, I gave a little chirp to Schooley in the a Show podcast where he spilled the beans on Robert Morris scheduling this series to happen over World Junior, but Minnesota made a request. Can we bump it back a little bit? I said, you know, when you're getting a check for $49,500 from the University of Minnesota, you're probably willing to negotiate the dates of the series. So they moved it so the Gophers <laughs> could get their World Junior players back. And after the game on Saturday, he came into the availability and stood up in front of the Minnesota banner. He said, hey, is that guy who chirped me on Twitter here tonight? Is he here? Where is he? And I go, right here. Oh, you're you know, a big guy. Never mind. I'm, Sorry. Yeah, I'm 6'2 and, uh, you know, 275. So I'm like, I'm right here, Derek. And he's like, ah, it's all in good fun. You know, we're, we're happy to be here. He was pleased with the way his team played. I think they made it difficult on Minnesota at times during the weekend. They really packed it in in the slot, forced Minnesota to take shots from the perimeter. The, the nice thing for Minnesota is that they did have pressure around the net. You know, that's something that Steve Miller especially reinforces in practice all the time. You have to have a player in front of the net providing traffic, and you have to have a second player ready to pounce. And Minnesota did that. Their first two goals on Friday were like that, and they did that again on Saturday. 
Very nice. Well, I know we want to get into a, a great article by our guy Schlossman. But first, let's uh, let's hear from our sponsors. Jake Middleton here, Director of Hair and Hygiene for the Minnesota Wild. How did I get this important role with the team, you ask? I'd like to think it was because of hard work, but the truth is, I run hot. Yep, I'm a sweater. In my role as Director of Hair and Hygiene, I'm sort of like a player coach. Let me pull out the grease board here. Well, it's not actually a grease board, because there is nothing dirty about Duke Cannon. How do I help the guys stay squeaky clean? Helpful reminders. It's simple. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Say it with me. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Pick the scent that suits you. Sawtooth. Thick body wash. Extra thick. And my favorite, Midnight Swim. Tarps off, Duke Cannon on. Duke Cannon. Work harder, smell better. Are you tired of the same old fundraisers? Paying $15 for a stale bag of popcorn? Chocolate candy bars melting in your car? And more frozen pizzas than you have freezer space? Introducing Ferta Fundraisers, a fundraising company with as much personality as the people who play the game. It's big, throw gas, fingers. Yeah. Big dump for the boys. Choose from great products made by local companies, flexible plans built around your needs. Sell how you want and be supported from start to finish. Deliver max return without charging people a fortune. It's never been easier to support your community. Ignite your fundraising with FURTA Fundraisers. FURTA Boys, FURTA Girls, FURTA Community, FURTA Fundraisers. Of course, we thank FURTA Fundraisers and Duke Cannon for sponsoring the GPL Cast podcast. This is all Duke Cannon for me, Beegs. All week, nothing but Duke Cannon here. Tarp on, though. Keep the tarp on for a little yeah, bit longer. Gotta keep the tarp on. I'm not taking yeah. that off here. That would just be <laughs> ugly. <laughs> so I, I missed kind of an article over the past couple of days since I was down here. You sent it over to me. Uh, Mr. Schlossman, the Grand Forks Herald Beagues, putting out some great stuff of what should be done with the NCAA regionals. Tell us about it. Well, I think Schlossman hit it note for note on the arguments for moving to on-campus sites for the NCAA tournament. And he proposed, you know, those first two round games, campus sites at the high seed is what you should do. You know, it's what they do in a lot of other tournaments for the NCAA. And it makes so much sense. And he got quotes from David Carl from DU supporting it. He had um, Bouchagras chiming in in the article. Then on Twitter, he was saying it's time. Uh, he had Mike Cross from Penn State. You know, talking about the revenue that you could generate by moving to campus sites. And it's not just small money either. It's like a $2 million difference to go from these regionals where even best case, you're getting 70 to 80% mm -hmm. of, the, of the fans in the building. And you're just hoping that the host team or a team in the area makes the tournament to even make that possible. So if you move to these campus sites, it's just going to be a better atmosphere better for the student athletes, better revenue, and probably fair for the teams that make the tournament. If you get a top eight seed, you get a home game. You've earned it. And it was interesting. He looked back at some of the historical data 
there's a lot of teams that would have had home games over the last decade Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't expect. And it would just be fun for college hockey to see that atmosphere because when you have those empty regionals, it doesn't make for good TV and it doesn't make for a good experience. No, it definitely doesn't. Uh, Cappy, I'm guessing you may have paid in a regional or two like that, but in your day, it still kind of was some home campus sites. Well, it was, and I think that's, one of the it changed because of Michigan or it was a big reason but that was a predetermined you know it was it was it was just the same except for they made Ann Arbor one of the regionals mm-hmm. you know so it was the same kind of scenario they literally put the regional in a home rink in Ann Arbor and twice I think in my four years Michigan uh, or my four years right around them they hosted it as the four seed. And they beat the number one seed both times in a packed Yost Ice Arena. Um, and I think that, I think it was Colorado College once and maybe Denver the other time. And that w- had a big uproar. And I that had something to do with what, staying away from anything like that. This is clearly a different idea. And I actually like it. Because in my mind at first, when I was thinking about this, they were, I thought they were talking about the four number one seeds would get the home you know, and then mm-hmm. they host the regional. Um, and I, I, I didn't mind it, but like they said, if, you know, the number one seed gets knocked out, that regional final could look ugly in terms of, of uh, you know, attendance. So I do like this scenario where uh, the, there's going to be a home ice for every game. The, the home team is going to have what you would think a full barn or most t- places in the country. Late March, no one's on spring break anymore which that's not really a concern, I don't think. Um, so I, I did like everything. And then when you get David Carl, who's now, you know, a top five successful coach, yes. and even he said, like, I mean, they, they've they won, and they haven't had, you know, they've had to do it this way. They, they weren't getting home ice. So he's not complaining like he's had, you know, everything go his way to get to where their success as He's all for this. Um and, uh, you know, Butchergrass is big because, like, he knows some of those small rinks out east, um, you know, are they TV friendly or not? If they've done some stuff there, then if they can be done, then I don't think it's, you know, Agreed. a problem. You can make things work nowadays with technology and with cameras and whatnot. You know, I think I remember one of those Michigan regionals. It was sort of back then before they expanded to it might 16, have been 12, 16 it might teams. Have been it was a super regional, or... so... Because yeah. Minnesota came out of Michigan in 2002, and Michigan came out of there. So Minnesota, I believe Minnesota and Michigan had the bye games. And then two other teams, you know, played each other to cut play Minnesota, two other teams to play Michigan. And then Minnesota and Michigan met in the Frozen Four in St. Paul that year. So that was – then I believe the next year they might have gone to 16. But Yeah. The 16 happened during my – my uh years so i made we made the tournament 03 and 04 my last two years and those were 16 i think my 0102 maybe mm-hmm. the first year or this or might have been 03 my first you know our first tournament might have been 16 but um yeah i think this is i think now there's like a really good template out there for the coaches to look at now and have people study it and then literally look no offense to any of it take more than a fucking friggin vacation in naples in april and and you know get this done 
Well, Bonner has kind of a question here. How would that work with travel between games one and two of Eags? Well, they'd be a week apart. So you'd probably have your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday games spread out for TV. And then you'd have a more condensed, you know, Friday, Saturday, week two, where you're just having basically your regional finals the next week. And then the week after that, you'd have your frozen four. So right now, you know, they take that week off. Now you just have three weeks in a row to get ready for the national championship. And I think it'd be great. Like right now you'd have Minnesota going to Maine. You'd have UMass going to play Quinnipiac. Uh, You'd have St. Cloud going to Wisconsin. I mean, these would be great first round matchups with packed houses. But would they even need to? I mean, the the season is so spread out. Could they take out some of that break time or something and just, you know, maybe move up the their tournaments? Their we know that Big Ten could use to move up the tournament and condense it a little more. You would think that they could maybe I mean, condense it and just still keep a two week break. I'm for that. I mean, for the, I, I'm I'm for condensing the Christmas break. Like it's ridiculous how long. Like you could easily play another week. You know, at week, the beginning, the ninth, the ninth, yes, tenth is the last weekend. Why not play the sixteenth, seventeenth? You know. School might be out, but most places, like, student-wise, it's fine. Like, finals are over, they're in finals, but every other, you know, everyone, every other sport doesn't stop for a month. Like, it's just, it's, you know, when I played, you had a tournament. We had about two weeks off, maybe two and a half. You got to go home for seven, eight days, and you came home, and you played a tournament right after. The way the schedule's so spread out now for a lot of teams, and I get it for – World Junior reasons, I know Minnesota and with Michigan specifically do that. Um, you know, had an interesting talk with Adam Nightingale about that, and I'll tell you that answer in a second. But I just think it's just uh, it shouldn't. You don't need to you condense. You could easily condense the season a little bit. Is I guess the long answer I gave on that. But Adam Nightingale, so talked to him last week before our game and asked him about that. Now that he's going to have players going to world juniors and he said you know what we're, we're going to rely on our depth we're not going to schedule we're going to they've signed a contract to play in the gli for four more years no matter what so he did not bat an eye at that he's gonna have his team whoever he played the way it's played uh, so i thought that was interesting so vigs how are you going to get those small schools to get on board with this because honestly it would be better for the game. It'd be get better for showcasing the game when you're having the playoffs with full arenas. That's kind of one of the you know topics that Schloss was talking about. But how do you get these other schools on board? Because they have just been such blockers on this. Well, I think first off, you have to get a strong voting block of NCHC, Big Ten coaches, get some CCHA coaches on board that this is Hockey how it's going to work. In Hockey East as well. But I think some of those Hockey East teams, some of them think we've got enough nice venues out East where it doesn't impact us. And it's an advantage for us to have three regionals out East. You know, So I think there's that selfishness of some of those coaches that's going to come into play. So I think you really need the West to unite and, and really get everybody on board and get as many other schools on board as you can because it's just hypocrisy from those Eastern coaches. You look at how they run their conference tournaments now, most of them are using campus sites all the way through from first round to championship. If they're doing it for that, 
why can't they do it for the NCAAs? Get them to understand the revenues are going to go up. You know, at least one or $2 million more going to NCAA in a profit-making tournament if they do this right. And it's going to be better for the players. And if you look at history, those Eastern teams are going to get home games, especially right now. I look at the top eight, BU, BC, Quinnipiac, Maine, all getting home games. Providence right on the bubble. That's pretty good for them. And they just have to see that it's going to be an advantage for them just as much as anyone else. And some of it's just about fairness, too. I mean, we've seen how many times, you know, like Mankato from a few years ago having to go to a Providence regional where Providence was the four seed. They got penalized for being the number one overall seed. Yeah, there's a lot of teams that that don't get what they deserve, but the fair is where you go to buy a pig in the fall. It doesn't apply to college hockey. <laughs> now, the, the one, the one, you know, maybe hiccup, I think I – you know, message you guys on this is, uh, are we, are we trying to avoid the conference versus conference matchup? Cause before I think there was a game Tuesday that moved the, the, the bracket, but it was no, North Dakota was six and Western Michigan was 11 and they would be playing in that first round. Are, are you looking to do that tweaking a little, or, you know, one year it might line up where you could have four NC, you know, two or three NCHEs playing two, three big, two big tens or hockey. East has six teams possibly this year or five. I'm just saying down the road, that's one maybe thing you gotta have kind of some kind of rule or, you know, adjustment process. You know, I don't know. I say, let's let it roll. Let's have, let's have some excitement. That's one of the things they want to do. I mean, could you imagine North Dakota having to go into Western or something like that first game? I, I think every time I've heard the NCAA D1 Hockey Committee people talk about swapping teams around, they're comfortable with it because the margins between like 12 and 13 are so small. Sure. Like just looking right now, we're seeing St. Cloud in New Hampshire. It's 5625 and 5623. That is sure. a very minuscule difference between those two in the rankings. And I think the coaches are like, we like the pairwise because it determines who gets into the tournament and it's cut and dry you know going into the end of the year what you need to do but there is probably some wiggle room to move seeds around to to keep you know as long as the, the conferences apart <laughs> yeah the top eight are going to be at home you earn that home you know it's the other eight that probably get swapped around a little bit right our guy gator how many campuses would have arena issues keeping the arenas available with the possibility of you know a weekend one or weekend two game they do it for women's hockey. They there's do. a bunch of D there's a bunch of D three hockey schools that figure it out. Isn't Wisconsin one of the problem places because of like the state basketball tournament? There's something like that around playoff time, isn't it? What are they gonna prioritize? You know, they they finally got a hockey coach there who's winning, so maybe they'll prioritize hockey. Yeah, but a lot of times, you know, it's already predetermined. I don't well, know, just, well, just something like, to think about. Well, like V just talking about, with if you're going to have eight games that one weekend, you, you probably have three days. You you maybe not want to have Sunday, or maybe you're thinking Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You have mm-hmm. those three days to kind of, okay, Wisconsin, Cole Center's got something on Thursday, so Wisconsin's got to be on Friday or Saturday or vice versa, or Ohio State with, you know, the, the Schottenstein Center's availability, you know, whatever whatever the case is. I just know those places are bigger and they'll have maybe have concerts or whatever going on there. 
uh, you have, if you have those three days, you can kind of, you know, massage it. Hopefully it's not mm-hmm. all three days it's taken up or whatever case. I think there's some room there for that. But, but also too, you know, if they decide kind of now, you know, Wisconsin and the Cole center would have two years to kind of prepare and kind of maybe block right. off some the, of this stuff. The key is I can see it last second, but you know, like, Oh, we're going to do it this year. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't work this year, but the key is they do the have a couple th- years. The key is the vote this year, though, right? Because this is yeah. when they start doing the next four-year block. Yes. Two, year, two years, I think, for the region. I thought I read yep. two years. I believe that. it's two. The frozen four, I think, is a four-year block, and that might be a year out. But I think that's that's the key is this would start 25, 26, 26, 27? 26, 27, season? I think. 26, 27. So you have two more years after this of what we already have. Well, here's the deal. I think it's on the coaches to keep this topic relevant. Keep talking about it. Don't let it go by the wayside. And also, we got a boat coming up, and eh, I kind of forgot about it or whatever. So, Beegs, they need to keep it going. Well, I think every coach on the East Coast should have to respond to this on record about their perspective, Mm -hmm. especially if they're going to vote against it. You know, people should be asking those coaches what they think just so we get a counter-argument because – Brad has laid it out pretty pretty well. And if you're going to go against it, I want point-by-point point responses to each one because I, I just don't see how it makes sense to continue doing what we're doing. And even when it works well, it doesn't actually work that great. Well, you know what you need to happen this year is to have like three hockey East or three East teams get number one seeds, and at least one of them is going to get sent to Sioux, Sioux Falls or St. Louis that the region St. Louis yeah. here, and I'm pretty sure that team would probably vote the other direction uh, come April if that were. And if they're going to get knocked out, they're playing in front of 800 people in uh, whatever. <laughs> in St. Louis. In, in St. Louis. Right. Against Maine North has Dakota. to go to St. Louis for some weird reason. And they're playing North Dakota. North Dakota travels, and they'll have two or 3,000, 4,000 people come down to that, and they'll get knocked out in the first round or whatever, you know, maybe. Maine's an interesting one because they're kind of – just back in the party, you know, a little bit. Even BU and BC have – BU has been good a couple of years now. BC struggled recently too. So it's it would be interesting to see if they get kind of the quote-unquote shaft um, and get sent west as a number one seed. Maybe that would sway their, you know, mind. I mean, I'm thinking there's a pretty good chance you could have like a Michigan or a St. Cloud or a Minnesota be a three or four seed out west. And – a top East team is going to have a tough road. Absolutely. I mean, I and I don't know. I, I haven't seen this vote. I haven't known what the actual, how far apart it is and whatnot. I don't think anyone's seen. I think a lot of people thought like me about how it would be four regions with a one, with a one seed at the one seeds. Not, I don't know if it's been seen by the coaches proposed. Has it been that much where they do the single game, and then another single game weekend. Has that been proposed before to those coaches? I don't know That's if it's happened recently, be. but I think Schlossman's done a lot of legwork on this to find a, a proposal that would get the most traction. That's because what I mean. I, I think this is a new version. Yeah, because he's highlighted that it wouldn't just work for the top four seeds to host four teams because if the yeah. host team loses in the first round, that championship or the regional final is not a great venue either. I just all the times we've talked about it, that the way the way he did it, I that had not been 
what I've ever heard or have I thought of to discuss. And I, I you know, when you stop and think about it, you're like, okay, this, this, this work, this could work, you know, um, that's one, you know, it seems like so we, we're all on, on board with that. Yeah. So we need the college hockey media types. You, you writers out there, <laughs> ask your coaches, talk about it. And I think it'll be big, obviously come March, you know, when, when regionals are coming around and then the seeds happen, I think, if I'm Schlossman, I'm reposting that. And I'm sure Bucheros will now too. Um, you know, he's, I, you know, he's, he loves college hockey, promotes it like nobody else. And he has the biggest platform of anybody. Correct. Um, so yeah, we'll see. But I think that's when it'll gain tr- the biggest traction. Then that, you know, that's two weeks later, three weeks later, you know, they're in Naples the week after the frozen four, I believe, or two weeks after. All right, we're, we're going to put you on hold here for a second, Cappy, as we start to talk about our guys at Chill Boys Vigs. Um, I'm wearing them here, down here in the Dominican <laughs> right now. And you know why? Because it's hot. Yeah, and when you're in a hot situation, you want something that's going to chill the boys down low. Uh, they've got three options for you now, the bamboo boxers, bamboo boxer briefs, and performance boxers. And, uh, you know, if you want that relaxed fit, snug fit, or something fancy with some, you know, high tech material, uh, Chill Boys have got you. Uh, use Pull Tab 15 for 50% off on uh, your order online. Comfort where it counts. Yeah, we can't thank them enough for being a, a sponsor of the GPL podcast. And, of course, who else do we have on board, Beeks? One of my favorite places, Cub Foods. Cub Foods, it's one of your local companies that supports local sports you know they're on pj flex headset uh they sponsor pull tab sports they sponsor us the wild on seventh podcast and uh they're just a great neighborhood grocery store if you need something for a party they're a store that's going to have it in stock for you and uh you know if you're looking for some beverages to go along with that party you know check it out you know they've got a lot of wine and spirits now at cub foods around town yes. uh, give them a shot yeah i love those uh little cinnamon donuts they have can never get it. You know, when, I, when, by, when Barb goes to Cub, she's always getting the cinnamon and the glazed donuts for us at Cub. So great stuff. So we thank Cub for being a sponsor of the GPO podcast. All right, let's bring Cappy in. We've got Ohio State coming to town this weekend, Vigs. Um, Ohio State's playing better. They played Minnesota pretty damn well. Um, uh, not very long ago and as in the last week of uh, December there. Yeah, I think Ohio State's a dangerous team. You know, the fact that they just got their first Big Ten win last weekend against a tough Notre Dame team means that they might be finding their game a little bit more. You know, Stephen Halliday is a great player for them. i got to imagine Steve Miller was recruiting him out of Dubuque when he was a, you know, point-and-a-half game scorer there. You know, he's a dangerous player for them. And so it's something that Minnesota has to be careful with defending him. You know, you want to make sure you know who's on the ice against you. Sometimes I think Minnesota forgets that part of the game management is, you know, when you're out there against the third or fourth line, you can maybe get away with more than you can when Stephen Halliday's on the ice. You know, he's a big 6'3", 6'4", player who is pretty deceptive and, and good around the net. So I'll be interested to see how Minnesota plays against him. Cappy, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, you know, it's uh, 
man, you talk about Halliday. He's a good player. Man, I, I'll tell you, the guy that's really helped him offensively is a defenseman. Scooter Bricky's got nine goals. I mean, that's pretty pretty good stuff. He had the game winner against Notre Dame. Um, you know, they're just like they've got. Like I said, they got Caden Brown back. He's he's a solid offensive player, and Joe Dunlap. They have a little more depth up front, but you know, they're just they they got to play hard. They got to play smart. They can't. They got to play with the lead. They, if, if Minnesota gets a, a couple goals on them, they're, they're not they're not going to chase the game very well. Um, you know they they haven't changed. They're going to play hard. They they like I said they what took two points or one point was it one point what was it a, a win a tight win against Minnesota and then a tie last with the shootout point December going up. Yeah, shootout point that Ohio State got. I mean, you could argue there were long stretches in that series where Ohio State was the better team, or at least we're outplaying them. Yes. just by being a little, having a little more energy and just being hard on pucks. They got to play that. They're not a high skill team. They got to make things hard on Minnesota. You know, maybe it's it, last weekend was a good uh, tester for Minnesota having Robert Morris and, like you said, how they. They they caved in in front, made Minnesota shoot from a side. I think the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to have to do the same thing. Um, you know, their goaltending, we'll see. They they've kind of gone a little bit with the freshman now. He got he got that second game against Minnesota, and I thought he played pretty well. He struggled last week, or I don't know if the goals were really his fault. A couple tips in front and whatnot, but um, Turnus played really well in the win on Friday night. I think they are trying to do the every other game thing. Um, but the Buckeyes got a shot. I, I, Minnesota's, I think it's on Minnesota. Minnesota's got to carry the play. I mean, they, they have to realize that they're in a not do or die situation, but they're at a, we're, we're, we're getting to the home stretch. Mm-hmm. Well, 12 games left. You got six, you know, six weekends with a, with an off weekend. And, um, I think if, you know, Minnesota's going to have to play with some major intensity, um, to make, to come out of there with six points. I guess one good thing that I did see uh, this weekend, Viggs, is that uh, Mason Nevers finally got a goal. <laughs> he did. Bryce Brodzinski found Nevers in a perfect spot. Nevers had plenty of time to pick his corner, and he took advantage of it. And you could just see the relief on his face and the excitement <laughs> of Brodzinski and all his teammates that he finally got a goal. And, you know, we were asking Nevers after the game, you know, what it has been like for him this year. He got injured in the Bemidji State with a kind of a reckless hit in a game that didn't mean anything by a Bemidji State player who was looking for a head to hunt. Yep. And it was just a, a nasty play. And that really set Nevers back. And he talked about how, you know, his head is finally clear, which for a guy who went through a concussion is a pretty significant telling quote. You know, he has not been himself the first half, and he felt like he was behind the eight ball with his conditioning just because he couldn't push himself the way he wanted to, recovering from that injury, and he was just behind the eight ball. And having that winter break, as much as we probably want the college hockey season to keep going and not take such time off, it was good for Nevers to reset. And he said he's gone from practice conditioning to game conditioning to now close game conditioning, and he feels like he's back. And for his line to work, Nevers has to be back. Yes. That's kind of what I was getting at here, Biggs, because they need them. They need that line big time. And 
you know, the occasional, you know, goal by Brodzinski or whatever. They need Nevers to perform to go anywhere this season. Because Brodzinski has been able to get some points, but they haven't driven play like they did last year. And that's really what they need is they need another line that can really move the chains, as Bob will sometimes say, and get that ground game going. If if Nevers is truly back and he has a good weekend against Ohio State, that gives this team a lot more confidence to play in close games. Yeah, I was just getting yelled at by the wedding couple a couple stories down <laughs> here. They saw me up here podcasting. So, what are you doing working up there? I yeah, I mean that's as veteran line as you can get, right? You have two fifth year guys and a, and a fourth year senior, and um, you know seeing Nevers in person that weekend in, in Penn State, he did have one really good chance to hit the post. Kind of same scenario as he scored on this time. But I was just watching him. I'm like, he doesn't look like a guy. He's able to – he doesn't look right. Or you know what I mean? Like, he, he's able to play. He's just not looking like he can do everything he wants to do. Um, and they need him to do that. They, I mean, if, if that line can get going in the second half, I mean, you know, the way Snugger had started the second half, you got two lines there, and then you hope, like, the, you know, Hugelin can get going a little more, too. But, man, yeah. uh, if Nevers gets going and that, you know, kind of energizes that line, man, that makes the Gophers a way different offensive team. What else is on your mind, Beegs? I mean, I, I, I want to I go to predictions here, but for <laughs> me, I'm just – you got to prove it to me. They still haven't. So for me, I'm I'm thinking split right away here because they still haven't shown us that they can win two games against you know not Robert Morris yet. Yeah, I think this team is showing some signs. Especially, I like the way Renzel and Chesley have come back from the World Junior. I feel like they're making better decisions. You know, I joked about earlier about not touching the stove all weekend. Renzel still is generating offense. You know, he, I think he had seven assists in the last four games. Yeah. yeah. And he did that without being reckless. You know, I think we saw in the first half, a lot of times he would take the puck into the zone and then be like, oh, I'm going to get pressure here. And I'm not sure what to do with it. As we've seen the last couple of weeks, he's able to get in the rush and not put himself in bad situations and take care of the puck. And I think for Minnesota to take the next step, they have to be good about puck possession plays, putting pucks into areas where they can get it back and support each other. So I thought they did that really well against Robert Morris. Now they had a ton of space because Robert Morris really packed it in and didn't pressure him on the outside. But I think you might see a similar look with Ohio State, just with higher end players. I, I think with Renzel, I think the first half he was trying to figure out what he could get away with, what mm-hmm. he couldn't get away with by trial and error to an extent. Because uh, he's got the talent. I mean, like he's, he's 6'4", he can skate. Like, I just watch him like, man, I'm very jealous of how easy he makes it look kind of gliding up the ice so, you know, without taking many strides. Um, so I, I you see it so many times, those guys come back from World Juniors and – it's it's like they're they're veterans, you know. Even you know Oliver Moore has had a nice start to the second half. I him I think it's more when he gets he needs to gain some strength. He needs an off season like in the weight room and put on 
five to seven pounds of muscle. You know, you don't want to do it all in one summer, but gradually, because he does a lot of smart things out there with his putt, with his stick or makes little plays, but he's not able to win all those battles. You know, he wins the speed battle, but he's not winning like the physical battles that you're like, man, he's close, but he's not quite there because he just gets out muscled as a he's, he's young guy still. Um, but I just, if those guys do have better second halves, a couple with nevers, um, you know, the defense, that's where the biggest difference for Minnesota in the second half, if that defense plays well, that's where they could go on like a, a four or five game winning streak. So I'm still going to predict a split. Kathy, what are you predicting? I'm going to predict, um, I'm going to predict a, a win, a win and a tie. A Minnesota win and a, and a, you know, who knows wins the over, they'll go to, well, they'll go to overtime. Shoot. I'm going to take Minnesota in overtime in the second game. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so two wins for Minnesota, but that doesn't equal a full win. right? Okay. How about, so that's basically five points to one. Right. So five points. Correct. Okay, well, we'll we'll switch a little bit. How, how many? But you get points? they get more pairwise points for an overtime win as opposed to a shootout. You don't want to go to a shootout. Remember, Correct. Minnesota does not want to go to a shootout because they're not going to win it because they just think or score a goal, right? <laughs> yeah, there is that. Okay, Beegs, how many points then? I'm predicting six. Oh, this week with the reverse, the guys are flipping. I just feel like this team had a good warm-up with CC and Robert Morris coming into the series. I'm seeing a lot of positive signs with them. The one thing I'm worried about right now is their power play hasn't looked as dynamic as it could be. When you've got a player like Jimmy Snuggerud on one of your units and you've got a talent like Sam Renzel quarterbacking, there should be more danger and chaos out of that unit. And I think there's still trying to find that chemistry and figure out how to move the puck fast and create those chances, maybe because they're so focused on getting the puck to Snuggerud on the power play. But I think they got to change things up. Like when they moved Pitlick and Snuggerud down to the goal line and they did that spread power play, I thought that was a great kind of change up for them. I think that's something they need to kind of integrate into their philosophy for a weekend is to throw that out there every once in a while. I don't know if they will, but I think it, it's something to take a penalty kill and get them off base and maybe get their power play going a little bit so they're just not so robotic. But I really like the play of everybody. Oliver Moore, he's developing a little bit like Rhett, Rhett Pitlick did. You know, He came in with just lots of speed and trying to beat people one-on-one. He's developing a little bit more possession to his game. And I think that bodes well for Minnesota in the second half. I, I You know, with Jimmy Snuggard, I, I think you should move him he should be all over the ice in the power play. Like he should not be sitting on that, you know, top of the circle on the, the OV spot. Like I, I like him down low. I like him in the bumper, like get him in the high bumper spot. Cause what that's do every team is going to be like, where is, where is he? And as they're, it's like, you know, send the direction this way. And then, Oh wait, Pitlick's open on the weak side because everyone's, Oh wait, Snuggerud's in the middle. You know, we gotta, we don't know how to, you know, so I, with that power play thing, I think you move him around and you make him dangerous from every everywhere and make teams adapt to them. That I mean, I, like I haven't like I, you know, do I, you saw you were still around for the CC games, right? Jupe, you saw yes. those goals. Like, what are we talking? I mean, those are 
NHL. I mean, he know he's an NHL player, but like those mm-hmm. were just get get him the puck in different areas is my what I would be if I was coaching a power play for him um, because he could score from anywhere. And it's it crazy so quickly. Motsko was talking about comparing Snuggers' shot to someone in the NHL, and he's just like, no one. He's like Mike Bossy. He's like, I, we got to go back and find somebody from history to compare to how good Snugger it is at catching and shooting. Is his release is just so quick, and, and that CC right was awesome. Yeah. yeah, he's just found it right now too. He's just he's got that corner picked at any corner really. So um, that that obviously will be a big determinant on the se- on the weekend too, as if he goes off for three or four goals. Sayonara, that's six points most likely going to to the Gophers. So. Not to put a ton of pressure on him or anything, (laughs) you know, but I I could see him, I could see him hitting 30 this year. If he got, you know, like you don't see guys, what he did, the five, those five goals, there was not one that was like, oh, you know, oh, you know, a backdoor tap in or a a puck off of his shin guard. I mean, they were all ridiculously great shots. Um, you know, there's a difference. Well, you were, you were even messaging us about that. You're like, what the hell is going on here? I mean, because you just don't see a guy score no. five like that in a weekend. You usually get a goal or two that's garbage you know, goal. Yeah. Anybody, yes. You usually don't score five like that. And, uh, and then Burko's a pretty good goalie for CC as well. It's it's not he, like he was picking the them like in that Stonehill. Conference, maybe uh, Pearson and him are the top two goalies in that conference. So. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. If he stays well, hot, look out. <laughs> let's hope so. Uh, Cappy, when you get to be on the, the, the hat next, the, the, the hat next, uh, the hat. when are you going to be on yeah. uh, the big 10 network? Um, the next couple weeks, I'll, if anything, I'll just be on the, the big 10 today show. Okay. Did it yesterday. Um, next week, I don't know the following week I will. And that'll lead. I have uh, my last call of the year will be ohio state and michigan to saturday i believe um so the next three weeks i think there's one game on btn on a saturdays okay. your game this saturday and i believe you guys playing michigan state the following weekend am i got yes. that right yep um and then that next the february 3rd will be i'll be there in ohio columbus for michigan and then the rest of the year will be studio and i think there's quite a few because there's double headers almost every weekend of February and that, nice. last, week, that last weekend of March that are the first March 1st and 2nd, I think okay. is the last weekend of games. I think we have a Friday doubleheader. So one more game and then mostly studio, but I did, um, I, well, I got a meeting with the, the new guy in charge of ESPN tomorrow, but he already asked me to commit to doing another regional. So I'll be doing that. Uh, might try to, persuade him to see if I can eke my way on to frozen four coverage, but you know, we'll take it one step, <laughs> we'll take it one step at a time here. But uh, yeah, that's exciting to, to get to do that for a third year in a row pumped for that. But yeah, I'm, I, I love, this is the best, it's the worst time outside, but it's the best time inside for hockey um, as we get closer to the playoffs. It definitely is. VJ, you working on anything? I've got a few things in the hopper. I'm going to keep them a little under wraps and a little bit of suspense. Oh, I like that. Uh, but if someone in the chat is looking for tickets, hey now, voice your opinion. I've got two for Friday to give away tonight. Uh, we'll do that sometime during our OT. 
Uh, if we can't find a, a sufficient person there, maybe we'll get somebody tweeting at us using the GPL podcast tag. Is so it live cozy, chat and OT gets first shot. Cozy 7 o'clock start on Friday night? Is it a cozy 7 yep, o'clock Yep, I believe so. Okay. And Should be a good Saturday's weekend of hockey. Day, Saturday's game's a little earlier, right? They have that right? Same at 7. Oh, okay. I think. I might be able to watch Friday. Saturday, my plan lanes at like 8, so... Okay, so you're you're there until Saturday. Mm-hmm. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy where we see palm glass. trees in his he, in his background when he's on the Big Ten Network. As he as he as he sips his wine too, and yeah, Barbie brought me my wine while I was well after hey, they yelled at me. She came life, back up. And hey man, life gave me a glass good. of wine. Cheer, hey, life is good. Cheers to that. Yes, it is. Well, thanks for coming on with us again, Cappy. You got it, man. It's always you could, great. You could maybe persuade me during the playoffs, but we'll see. Maybe we'll see. Well, we'll we'll pay you. We'll, we'll up Ooh. your. We'll, we'll double your send salary. Me a, send me a. Send me somewhere warm. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week's GPL podcast. We'll be back next week to. Uh, Recap the Ohio State series and preview heading to Mun Arena in Michigan State. That would be a big one as well. Of course, we got to thank Cappy for coming on the podcast again. For those of you watching live, stay tuned for a little overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next week on the GPL podcast.